Welcome back to Miserable and Reckless, where we bring you unfiltered takes on sports, music, culture, and all things the South. Um, I'm Logan, sitting here with Morgan, Dustin, and Ryan, and uh, just a couple house cleaning or things that we need to go over. We've, we're now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, pretty much anywhere where you can get your podcasts. And uh, so be sure to go over there on Apple, give us a five-star rating, no less, and uh, subscribe, stream, share, you know, anything that you can do to uh, get the good word out about all of our grand takes that we give you each and every week. Um, also, you know, we got our Facebook page up and running. We'll have links to all the bless your heart uh, businesses so people can support all the good things to go along with all the miserable rambling and complaining we do. Uh, and we'll have, you know, some more content, content out there for you guys on that. So check all that out. All right, let's jump into the weekend wrap with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Try to get through this because we have uh, a fun topic that we haven't done this week coming up. So starting off good, the bad, and the ugly. Dustin, if you want to kick it off. Sure. Uh, good. Duke didn't commit a turnover last week. So we're, uh, we're still standing strong at 22 turnovers on the season. So that's <laughs> positive. Very, very impressed and happy about that. I was a little worried given the way this team's had played this year. Um, other good, I uh, went down to our buddies, uh, our, all mutual buddies, Bay house for the weekend. We, we always do like an open and closing weekend. It was a closing great weather, just good time. We went to a cool brewery, you know, coastal Virginia and in, in the nice months is a beautiful place. Um, yep. called yep. these guys late night from the deck, um, had a few conversations and, you know, it was, it was a good time. So I just want to emphasize that. Bad, uh, Carolina won. That's never good. Um, so I'm going to count that as a bad right there. NC State, not at full strength, so we'll asterisk that. Um, ugly, FSU. Come on, guys. Like, we were, me, and, me and Morgan let you in our hearts. We said, <laughs> let's do this thing. And, and you gave us nothing. So, yeah, that, that's, that's my wrap-up from the past yeah. week. That's what happens when you give some luck to Free Shoes University. <laughs> we 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 said, come in. We're ready for you. We're ready to embrace you. And look what they did. Anyway. Conditional love. Conditional love. <laughs> Weak love. We're over them now. All right, Morgan. Good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, let's see here. It's been a good week, man. Well, it's been good times since uh, we last chatted with you guys. Uh, this past Friday... Uh, got to go to a 40 scan of Bridget, our, our little girl that's due uh, in December. It's pretty cool. We get to see all the face, facial features, which is pretty awesome. I had that posted on Facebook. I know you guys, some of you guys probably saw that. And then we also had our eviction notice put up for Bridget uh, as of today. If she doesn't come before December 17th, she is being evicted. <laughs> oh, so not going to be a Christmas baby. Nope, no Christmas baby. So that's that's good. That's really good because we didn't want a Christmas baby. Uh, the bad, um, well, childhood home found out last week is being uh, sold. House I grew up in for over hell. What? I moved in there I was about five, and moved out of it when I was nineteen or twenty. So about 14, 14 good, 15 good years of, of memories there is uh, coming to a complete end as of December 9th. So it's pretty sad going up there this week and help box up some stuff and pick out some things I want to keep from the house. And the ugly, I mean, I'm, I'm going to Dustin. FSU, dude. Never do I ever give you any love. I gave you some love. What do you do? 
you don't even show up with your free shoes. You just you show up barefooted and just stink up the joint with your nasty feet. So <laughs> you and Syracuse can, can can take a hike. <laughs> hey Ryan. My good, bad, and ugly. These guys are taking a corner out of my out of my corner all of a sudden, hating on Florida State. <laughs> all right. So the good. Um I, I'm I'm going Kyle Bush. He finally got his first win of the year and he keeps his 15 year winning streak alive. I'll give it to him. It's one win. We had to wait for three days in a rain delay. I was annoying the guys I know with my texts about the air dryers and everything else that was going on three days. They couldn't run on Sunday. Couldn't run on Monday. Couldn't run on Tuesday. Happened last night. He got his first win. Way to go, dude. Um, it doesn't really mean anything either. Um, it, it, because it, it keeps the playoff field the same since he's not in the playoffs anymore. So that's a good thing. Um, as mentioned last week, Martin Truex Jr. finished second. So that really would have shaken some things up, made things difficult. Good job, Kyle Bush. Um, bad, the entire state of Pennsylvania. Um, it seems like I've gone after the states of Ohio, Michigan, Florida, and now Pennsylvania. So I don't know how many friends we're going to have left on this podcast. But um, the Pittsburgh D gave up 42 points after I pointed out three straight weeks in a row, giving up 31. Pittsburgh D is dead and gone. Um, and then, uh, come on, Penn State, they lost to Indiana. So no more talking about them, but you lost bad. Um, the ugly is, I, I had Florida State too. Um, they, they went right back to sucking to a disappointing one and four uh, Louisville team. Nothing more that needs to be said about that. It's probably going to end up making our Carolina loss just look atrocious. All right. So uh, good for me. And, you know, it's Halloween week. I've always been a big fan of Halloween ever since uh, I got to Raleigh at NC State. We had our uh, office Halloween festivities this afternoon with our costume contest. Uh, currently, for people listening, I have a goatee and a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt and had a, and a, a badass knee brace um, on some jorts and had a winged eagle replica toy belt from the 1980 something to 1997 WWF championship and, uh, did my best stone cold impersonation all day. And then this weekend we have a, a minor, like very small, quasi socially distanced Halloween party at my buddy's house. And, uh, me and a friend of mine are going to be the generation X. I've got the whole triple H ensemble and he's got the Shawn Michaels stuff. So that'll be fun. So going real old school, 1990s, uh, pro wrestling this week. Uh, the bad NC state defense, you know, just couldn't tackle, uh, Javante Williams, I think broke something like 19 or 20 tackles, gave up a ton of points, just looked bad all day. Um, and the ugly just to, you know, keep it consistent. Cause I agree is Florida state university. Um, <laughs> I picked Louisville to win, so I'm not upset, but I just, I knew that they were on one week wonder in the land of ACC football. So that's me with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, next up, we can look ahead. You know, at least for me, Halloween, that's about it. State's on a bye week. So I'm kicking to you guys on what you're looking forward to for this weekend. Uh, let's see. We're taking Brody to see some Halloween lights. Um, Sweet. Tomorrow night or Saturday night after we get back from my mom's. We found a couple of spots here out in Holly Springs. We're going to drive around kind of Christmas lights, I guess. but. Halloween decorated. That'll be fun. That's cool. That and watching Tech's defense uh, make uh, Louisville's quarterback look like the second coming of Michael Vick, probably. <laughs> He's going to make all my predictions look awesome this weekend. <laughs> and then stinking up the following week. So enjoy, Louisville. You're getting a, a free one this weekend. Justin, 
You got anything? Not really. We're, we don't have any plans. Uh, <laughs> Emmy's, Emmy's got her, we didn't really buy her a costume, but she's got a onesie with a pumpkin on it for daycare cool. tomorrow. So that, that'll be fun. Yeah, we got to get a costume for, for Brody for daycare. Yeah, I have children. I don't get to go to Halloween parties anymore. <laughs> nah, no, we don't, Dustin. <laughs> so, Logan, I hope you have all the fun in the world, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't get sick. I hope you. I hope all the pretty girls hit on you. I hope you just have a blast. <laughs> <laughs> Drink one for me, because we'll be asleep. <laughs> uh, I don't have kids either, but uh, so that I guess that means I I watch TV all weekend. Sports. <laughs> we've covered this. Uh, the SEC. There isn't much to talk about. Um, which it seems like a maybe we'll just drop them from this. Uh, there's a two and two Missouri team that played Bama close, um, and, and they're and then beat LSU. So uh, they're playing Florida in the swamp. That could be somewhat interesting. Obviously, if Florida's number ten, if Missouri comes in there and beats them, it'll be a big deal. Um, don't think that'll happen. Uh, LSU is playing Auburn. Both of these teams have have underwhelmed this year, but also been kind of exciting to watch. So that's neither one of them are ranked. Um, it kind of leads me to NASCAR. So there's only two races left. Uh, it, it, it's the Martinsville race. This is a, this is a really big deal. Oh, yeah. um, it's uh, it's uh, Martinsville is a track that people love to go to. I don't know why. I mean, I, I, mean, I do, but so it's people, a short who track. people who don't watch NASCAR just don't, don't get it. It's like the, uh, some of the hardest tickets to find in NASCAR. Is it? It's, don't they give away a like grandfather clock? Yes, for winning the race. Like it's, it's the best trophy. It's awesome. Yeah, also, that might be the best trophy in sports. Take, next that time can be take, an argument one day. Next time, <laughs> take a look at the Wikipedia page for Martinsville. You should take a look at the uh, the most wins on the short track for uh, for the uh, modified uh, cars. Does it have an Irby in it? No. Uh, driver Ray Hendrick out of Richmond back back in the day. Oh, nice! Flying. His son drove for my dad. The flying eleven. Yep, flying <laughs> eleven. I wonder if Daniel throw back to it this weekend. Anyways, the uh, they so it's a short track, right? It's over a half mile in length, which probably explains why people can go and everybody wants to be there because when they're looking down from the stands, you can see everything that's happening on the track. Um, it's the shortest track in NASCAR, so they're constantly turning. They're constantly on the brakes. They can. There's never. There's 55 feet. So, 50, sorry, 55 feet wide. So there's hardly any room to pass. So everybody just gets frustrated and fed up. And of course, it's the last race for the eight drivers that are currently in the playoffs to make it to the round of four, which is the last race. It's the championship race. So if you uh, if you win, we've heard this with Logano, right? If you win, you're in. So um, it's great because of last what happened yesterday. Um, everybody still has a shot, so there's guaranteed be guaranteed to be some hurt feelings, and 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 hopefully I'm not too feisty on Sunday afternoon. But uh, at the same time, this really is the race for a casual fan to watch and get into. It's just really exciting. The cars are going slow and, and fighting and banging and everybody using each other up on the corners. So it's on Sunday at 2 p.m. That's what I'm looking forward to. All right. 
That's the weekend look ahead. Now we'll briefly jump into ACC Pick'em. Um, give you an update on our cumulative record through this week. Uh, Morgan is leading the pack at thirty-six and twelve. He uh, all one pick against my team. He picked his. He picked against his team and and got the lead there. Uh, he's thirty-six and twelve. Dustin and Ryan are thirty-five and thirteen. They picked. Um, or Ryan picked Louisville just like I did to be Florida State, and then I'm trailing behind at thirty-four and fourteen, and. The only thing you can really say about this week's slate of games is they suck, they're boring, and so we're going to go through this pretty quick. Also, NC State's not playing, so I really don't care. Um, (laughs) First game. So Logan's uh, forfeiting every pick. I heard that. (laughs) (laughs) So he's in last place. Solidifying last place. 34 and 10. I got it. I'll mark it for next week. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So first game, Wake Forest or Syracuse. I'm going with the Demon Deacons on that. Their offense is showing life. in the last few weeks, Syracuse is isn't who knows what the hell we'll get from them. But I'm taking the Demon Deacons. What about you, Dustin? Syracuse is terrible. Wake Forest is going to win. Ryan. Uh, well, the only thing I was going to point out about this game is that I lost a 52 to seven spread bet last week with Syracuse. So I'm just out of principle. I'm taking Wake Forest because Syracuse <laughs> screwed me over last weekend. <laughs> All right, Morgan. Uh, Wake Forest. Syracuse sucks. And next next up in the spirit of boring games that we already know the outcome, Boston College versus Clemson. Clemson next. I mean, Ryan. Clemson, I feel like we should be covering Clemson more, but they're boring. So, congrats. Morgan. Clemson. And Dustin. Clemson. But I hear you. Uh, They go out and do what they're supposed to do every week. So, we're like, yawn. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And next up on this exciting week of matchups, we have Notre Dame, who's fourth in the country versus the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Fighting Irish for me, Dustin. <laughs> Notre Dame, but comment on them. Their offense showed up finally last week. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Ryan. You know. <laughs> uh, Notre Dame is better. We've already pointed out how boring the peaks picks us are this week so i wanted to take this time to point out that florida state and miami aren't playing so it's actually not a bad week at all <laughs> morgan well the flight of the bumblebee will not be happening this week so i'm <laughs> gonna go with the the overrated and boring fighting irish who has somehow always managed to be ranked in the top five but just really don't belong there <laughs> All right, and what's probably the most interesting game this week is Virginia Tech versus Louisville. Kick it over to Morgan to kick that off from uh, the Hokie opinion. If we get the running game going, Virginia Tech, but that's – I'll go uh, I'll go Virginia Tech. I think their offense is going to bounce back this week. It's not what you picked earlier. I know it's not. Okay. <laughs> Throwing you off. All right, Ryan. <laughs> I picked Virginia Tech. Uh Louisville's a great city, and I'm clearly happy they beat Florida State last week, but the Hokies are the better team. Dustin? Tech, don't they have a Heisman running back? That's what I was heard last <laughs> week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't show up last week. <laughs> yeah, I've got Tech in this one. I actually think it'll be a pretty close game, but I've got Tech. Yeah, it's been running back. That's great. All right, and we've got the Duke Blue Devils versus the mighty UNC Charlotte 49ers, I think, is their mascot. Yeah. Um, Dustin, what do you think? Uh, I'm I'm going to pick Duke because I'm hopeful that they'll get their second win of the season. 
Um, but I think the real question is how many turnovers is, will it be one turnover, three turnovers? Who's to say <laughs> that's the real mystery of this football game. You get a turnover and you get a turnover. <laughs> Do you yes. score more points than your team has turnovers on the season this week? This week? Yeah. Uh, over, this matchup? Yeah. This matchup, I'd say, yeah, over. In right. future weeks, that could be a running theme. There's going to be a lot of unders. <laughs> All right, Morgan. Uh, I'm going to give Duke some love. I think they'll, uh, they won't commit to as many turnovers this upcoming weekend, and they'll, they'll have a good game. Ryan? They just lost – UNC Charlotte just lost to App State. I think App State could beat Duke, but UNC Charlotte can't. Yeah, I've got the Blue Devils in this one. If they, um, if they don't win this game, uh, it, it's about time. I've been saying this for since last year. Uh, it probably needed to be done two or three years ago. It's time to fire David Cutcliffe. Cut, cut and run to a new direction. And get a, uh, get a, get a youth. youth yeah, family. if Chase Bryce is the best they have to offer a quarterback, like Lord help him. But I, I got Duke beating Charlotte. Uh, next up, we have the North Carolina Tar Heels against uh, Virginia. <laughs> Ryan, what do you think? <laughs> All right, so it's the South's oldest rivalry, right? That's somewhat of a big deal. They've played 124 times. We'll cut to the chase. Ooh. Kind of skip over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I knew I was going to get that reaction. <laughs> so it is streaky. Uh, UVA's won the last three. We won the seven before that. Here's what I wanted to get to on the podcast. I feel like it's very disrespectful. Carolina's going to win. I feel like it's very disrespectful to half of this podcast that Carolina moved down a spot after beating (laughs) NC State. We moved down a spot after beating NC State. I feel like at least two of us should be annoyed. Must have been in a hurry to get Wisconsin and Michigan up the board after their stunning wins against uh, Illinois and Minnesota. They both moved up five spots. Get out of here. Welcome to the Big Ten being back in the rankings. Uh, it's disrespectful to the entire state of North Carolina. Well, I wouldn't say the entire state is. I, it's we are who we are, and you guys are who you are. And we're never going to get the respect in the national media, whether it's deserved or not. We don't deserve any national respect after last week, but I still fuck Carolina. I don't think they do either. Hey, <laughs> 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 right, Dustin, what do you think? Uh, I'm going with the lighter shade of blue in this wine and cheese fest. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan. Money suits. <laughs> yeah, bow ties and uh and bottles. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan, what do you think? You know I don't like UVA. Bunch of cheese eating wine cooler drinking pansies who show up at halftime for a few seconds and then leave to go to their frat parties. The funny thing is that if you had said, you know, I don't like UNC and finish the rest of the sentence, it still would be applicable. Hey, it works both ways, man. <laughs> Can we have like a, a tie and like no one wins? There's <laughs> going to be a lot of ties there. I can tell you that. <laughs> Bow ties. <laughs> Bow ties. But, uh, I have, I have my hatred for UVA is so deep. Um, you know, I'm going to UNC. Yeah. Just because um, Carolina is better, it's going to be Carolina. Um, UNC when they're clicking on all cylinders has the offense to beat 
most teams in the country. Um, not necessarily the upper echelon, the Clemson's, maybe not the Alabama's, Ohio State's, but most anybody else that came. The problem is UNC hasn't been able to put a full game together all year until last week. So uh, <laughs> I got Carolina going away in this one. All right, and that wraps up this awesome slate of games we have in the world of ACC football. All right, next up, we do have a really fun topic that we've been wanting to get to because, like we always say, we're not just sports. And uh, we're talking about something that is a distinctly Southern genre of music. And, and I'd argue it's one of, with the possible exception of maybe bluegrass, it's the only, like, distinctly Southern uh, genre. Like, even country music has ties out on the West Coast in California in the Midwest. Like, Southern rock is today's topic. Yep. And uh just want to kick that around and what, what we all consider the definition of Southern rock. So one of you guys want to take that away. We'll kick that around and talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I'll offer a couple thoughts on that. Um, one love Southern rock. Um, you know, I grew up listening to a bunch of those bands and my first concert ever was to go see Charlie Daniels. So, you know, couldn't help but uh, love it. But can't do Southern Rock tonight. So no, <laughs> I, I spent half the time running back and forth to the bathroom because I was so excited at eight years <laughs> old or whatever I was. <laughs> but nevertheless, I was there. Um, I th- I think if you're put, talking about it, you got to make the point that it it's painting a picture of the South and Southern mm-hmm. culture and Southern people, um, Southern traditions. Like that's a big All part. The and everything. Yeah, it's it's telling that story. And I think in many ways it resonated because there were at that time to be from the South wasn't always uh, looked upon favorably. No. And the music was kind of found resonance with people because it aimed to kind of make you be proud from the South again. Um, you know, uh, Sweet Home Alabama was a response to Neil Young and yeah. Southern man. And, uh, and so I, I, it's also kind of outsider music. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like anything elite. It's sort of like common man, outsider, kind of like outlaw country is. Um, and, you know, I told these guys this week earlier, you know, it, I view it, you know, not trying to get too down in the weeds. I kind of step back and say, like, there's this saying that, like, you know, pornography when you see it. Well, I think, you know, Southern Rock when you hear it. Um, it's, it's something that like, you're kind of like, yeah, it fits that category. And there's other things that are influenced by it, but don't fit that category. Um, so for me, it's like, that's kind of a, how I view the genre of music. Yeah. And like to piggyback off of that, I do agree that it's distinctly Southern and it paints it in a positive light because, but it's like charging along, like sometimes leaning country, sometimes leaning blues, sometimes leaning, um, just straight up rock and roll and think thinking of like some Skinner with some blues influence as well with some of the, the boogie guitar licks uh, with those types of, uh, it's a real like grooving style of music. And, you know, it, it's done. For, it's like for working class, like type Southerners that, but it does it in a, in a way that's not pretentious because there, that that's the key thing there for me with Southern rock is it's not a pretentious style of music. You have a lot of like artists from the South and Americana and everything that it's always like about being ashamed of, you know, being from the South and because there is a dark history in the South, you can't ignore that. Anytime you talk about Southern history and everything there, there is a a blot on the history of of Southern heritage, but at the same time, 
you can't be ashamed of where you're from and like the, the regionalism um, in that music does it in a way that, that, you know, Hey, like there, there's a lot of great things about the South and that's what this, that's what this music kind of encapsulates to me. I find it interesting. Um, I was raised in Maryland, but I had a lot of influences in my life at an early age that were, that were, Southern rock. And I didn't realize it till at a, at a later point in my life. Um, you can say what you want about Maryland. We'll definitely have to have a conversation about that later on this podcast, about whether or not that's considered Southern or not. But, um, I, I'll go with a specific sound to piggyback off of what you guys are saying. It's the slide guitar. It's the jazz improvisation. It's the R and B influences. It's, uh, it's a refusal to kind of play by the rules, whether you're the Almond brothers and you're putting out seven minute singles to the radio people. Right. Or if you've ever tried to listen to an Almond brothers, double album, like two songs or a single, like in the studio, another song's a live cut, like another song. I mean, the Almond brothers themselves literally made their name with a live album. I mean, that just didn't happen a lot back in the day. And it's Skinner is is completely different but yet has the same sound it's 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 a great it's a great point to to make the comment that you know it when you hear it because it was what 9 a.m or something on tuesday morning and it was like my phone was a buzz with everybody like this is this isn't this is this isn't like no that's definitely not like and and, and there's some definite discussion back and forth with the group like within the four of us, but like it didn't take long to kind of figure out who the forefathers were, what it wasn't and like who, who, where it started and like where, where it went, you know, like, like who was in and, and when did it stop? Right. Cause it's definitely a moment in time. It's definitely a period of time, a moment in time. And then there's people that have kind of carried it on from there. So I don't know that that's I'm, I'm opening up the discussion, I guess, to go wherever we really, for me, Southern rock was, you know, my early memories of it, you know, back in the eighties as a kid, Saturday afternoons, evening, heading to the racetrack, you know, you got Skinner on the radio, going down to the pits, hanging out with my dad and all the people working on it, on his race car. It just, when I listen to Southern rock, a lot of those memories come back from me, you know, Skinner mostly. You talk about one of the greatest guitar players from Southern rock of, uh, you know, Alan Collins, his his guitar solo on Freebird is still to me is one of the best guitar solos that I ever heard. And the funny thing is about that Leonard Skinner debut record, um, I believe that the guy's name is Al Cooper was the guy that was um, working with them was trying to produce some of their stuff. Yeah. He, he saw something in Skinner, and basically they had all their equipment stolen. And he had been trying to get them to like sign and kind of like work with him. And they, they called him up. I think it was Ronnie Van Zandt called him up and said, look, man, all of our equipment, we just got stolen. We need to borrow $5,000. He goes, all you got to do is give me the address to send the check. He goes, well, you just bought yourself a band for five grand. And then they go into the studio and he didn't want them to cut two songs off of that uh, record. They ended up being two arguably of their biggest hits. And that was Simple Man and Freebird. He was like, I'm going to tell you, nobody's going to play a nine minute song called Freebird. Boy, was he wrong. <laughs> He's a little play by the rules. Yep. But, but I mean, look, anytime you talk about Southern rock, you kind of have to start with who is considered like the father of Southern rock, and that's Dwayne Allman. And it's funny that he is considered like the starting point because he didn't really 
he was never d- directly in it. And he never really got to be in it because he died in 1971. And the Allman Brothers' major success really came after Dwayne Allman passed. But Dwayne Allman was the one who assembled that band. And Dwayne Allman was the one who kind of like put all of that together for to kind of set the stage for what became the Southern rock scene. Like Charlie Daniels himself has even said that he was a big Allman Brothers fan. He heard what they were doing and so, saw that it was like you didn't have so many rules on what you could do, yeah. speaking to like the outsider mentality. And he wanted a piece of the action. So like... And even though his was a lot more fiddle heavy and everything like it was like, cause like there's commonalities in the sound, but they're different enough to where you, when you hear the song, you know who it is. Marshall Tucker band leads a little more country. Leonard Skinner leads a little more rock. Wet Willie, a little bit of soul. I mean, there's just, there's so much like uh sonic difference, but it still sounds the same enough to this distinctly Southern rock. It's that's, what's really cool about this spe- specific genre of music to me. You guys want to cover who we kind of agreed ahead of time is the forefathers, like the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. So we got Charlie Daniels, um, Dustin's first concert, which I think is great that you ended up at UNCW, Dustin, because he's from Wilmington, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. First concert to go to, by the way. 75% of this podcast graduated from UNCW somehow. So, <laughs> so they're uh, Charlie Daniels band. The South's going to do it again, by the way, we're going to, um, We'll put all the songs that we're talking about on a playlist. Um, and, 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 and we do have that that we're going to put online. Um, we've been putting the playlist out little by little and, and on the Facebook page. But that song, The South's going to do it again. Absolutely. Name checks literally everyone in that we're going to be talking about. So, like, if you wanted to start there, start there. So, I guess Southern Rock uh, song number one is from Wilmington, North Carolina. Shocking how that happens. Um Almond Brothers are from Macon, Georgia. We've covered them a little bit. Marshall Tucker Band from Roebuck, South Carolina. These are not big towns, guys. And then Leonard Skinner is, is from right outside of Jacksonville. So, I mean, unless you guys disagree, I think those are like the, the Mount Rushmore. That's the perfect Mount Rushmore right there. Yeah, I mean, I agree. There were other, obviously, other bands that kind of were influential in the very, the early infancy of Southern Rock. But when you think Southern Rock, these typically are, are the four major bands that everybody thinks. So I think it's very... Um, it, it's a very good list of what is like the forefathers, the Mount Rushmore, so to speak. And for people who don't think about it, if you if you just name name off their songs that they they've sung, it sticks to just pretty much that four group of people right there. I mean, it's it's amazing that all all their hits, and it's just those four bands, yeah, with all those yeah. hits. And I I love <clears throat> Jenny doesn't really, but I love live albums i like i really enjoy like listening to a concert like as an album and uh all of these guys have great live albums like these these guys like well i don't maybe they were gravitated towards this because they were just they wanted to be good performers maybe it was all about the performance for them but they showed up and when they, even Logan and I saw, and we've mentioned this on the podcast, Logan and I saw Charlie Daniels when he was 82 years old at the Runnick Rapids Theater. Uh, and he was clearly much older. He took, they worked in a couple breaks for him, but they did it real seamlessly. But he still was a good performer and a good singer. And I mean, these bands are just, that was part of, I guess, what probably, led to mainstream success but like there when you went to their show you walked away wanting to come back and tell people about it and 
when I listen to the live albums, because we'll never see most of these bands as they originally were meant to be. Um, you know, it gives me a little taste of that. Yeah. There's just something about the like opening guitar riff for Tuesdays on for Leonard Skinner for me. It's yeah. like when you hear that opening, like it just encapsulates my mind of a sunny day in the South. Like, you know, it, it just, I don't know what it is about that. I know the, the common one that in my opinion has gotten overplayed big time is sweet home Alabama, but Tuesday's gone for me with Leonard Skinner. Like it just, it brings back those like summer kind of vibes and summer feelings and memories of, of growing up in the South during the summer. Yeah, it's definitely nothing like listening to Can't You See uh, sitting right there on, on by the bay or on the river or even at the ocean for that matter. You know, just that song right there for me is nice, easy listening. Crack open a cold beer and close your eyes. It's interesting you bring that song up because that song for me is every road trip. It's, it was the first song. A lot of my road trips originated out of Wilmington because I was in college down there. And when you get on the roads just outside of town, you put that song on and it's the first three, four measures of can't you see is, is you're on the road and you're headed off into the pines. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy how it, I doubt any of us honestly have ever really talked about that before, but there is kind of like a, an, an interesting overlap for whatever it's worth. Another yeah. good one is A Simple Man by Leonard Scandivote. His singing on that song is probably another one of my top ones. If if I'm going to go just vocals-wise, uh, Van Zant's singing is on that one. You know. Yeah. Well, Skinner had some of the most well-written songs. Like, well, yeah. hands down, like, in terms of, out of those four groups that we're talking about right now, I think Leonard Skinner by far had the best uh, copy for like all yeah. the, the songs, like the stories that they told. And I was going back through it. Cause I mean, I used to listen to Skinner a lot more than I have in recent years. And when I went back and was looking through it, I was like, I forgot about this song and I forgot about yeah. that song. And I mean, like m- my favorite from Skinner hand da- hands down, uh, no question is ballad of Curtis Lowe. Like mm-hmm. I love that song. I love the story. I love the like, just the music behind it. Um, and it also kind of like, we used to play it at like around like baseball practice and stuff like that. So that's a little bit of that nostalgia kind of like Logan was talking about, about summer in the South, but it's just, they were so good. And, and it's, I like all of four of those bands and obviously Charlie and Angels holds a special place in my heart. But when you're talking about the quality of the music that way. Like I love those guys and they had hit after hit and yeah, Lord knows what they would have done if, if yep. you know, they'd all live. I mean, Skinner is all often named as like the best Southern rock band of all time. And I think that's for a good reason. Like I like a lot of these bands and I like a lot of songs from a lot of these artists. But when you think in my mind, when I think the quintessential Southern rock band, it's hands down Leonard Skinner. Well, I think the requirement to be in a Southern rock band is you have to look like you could be part of the Sam Crow uh, original Redwood chapter. So, like, you got to have a long beard, maybe wear a cut. Because <laughs> if you go back and look at these guys, they could have easily rode Harleys and, like, you got to look like you were a uh, 70s truck driver. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or a 2019 indie rock band from Brooklyn. Yeah, just without, the, other. without the pretentiousness. Better <laughs> <laughs> than any hipster. For that moment. yeah but you guys, I, I think that ahead. it is 
I think that it is important. Like the, um, I saw this in the notes that we hadn't really mentioned that, you know, the Southern rock era really was like from 1972 to 1980 by the, by the mid eighties, like that kind of wave of music, it kind of lost a little bit of steam, but what made Southern rock so great is that you can see the influence on artists across different spectrums. Like if, when you look at even in the eighties and the immediate aftermath of when Southern rock was at its height, the outlaw scene in country music, when it, Hank Jr., Waylon Jennings, all things, they covered, both of them covered Can't You See? Like, they, they've covered a lot of these Southern, and, they, and it permeated throughout their own music. Like, their mu- music was obviously country, but it had heavy Southern rock influences. And you see that throughout, you know, newer bands, like, for instance, with Drive-By Truckers and people like that. You, you see that influence from that era, from the bands like CDB and Skinnerd and Molly Hatchet and people like that that have just permeated throughout all kinds of, like, roots uh, and roots adjacent music. I mean, that just shows you how good of a genre it was. So let's, let's break this up. So there's, there's the peak years, right? 72 to 80. We don't have to, I mean, we've, we've covered who those main bands are, but I mean, you, it's just, just for the Allman brothers in 73, the Allman brothers, Skinner and Marshall Tucker band arguably put out their three greatest opuses all in one year. Um, and, and that was, of course, without the founder of who we're even talking about in the first place. You got uh, Dickie Betts is a famous guy in the Allman Brothers. He took over for Dwayne Allman and kind of led them in a different direction that was equally as, as awesome. Uh, obviously, we mentioned that, that you lost Dwayne in 72. That it, can't be, it can't be Southern if it isn't pockmarked with a little bit of tragedy, right? Unfortunately. Um, so then it's, it's, it's like they were almost competing with each other, right? Because then uh, 77 comes around and they've all got albums, right? Fortunately, 77 is when there's a plane crash. I think most people would know that, uh, most of the band in, uh, that was on the plane for Leonard Skinner died. Um, the remaining, uh, I want to say it's, I'll just say family members to keep it easy. Um, fueled Southern rock entirely through the eighties. When, when you guys were mentioning your favorite Van Zants, I mean, my, mine has to be Donnie. And the only reason why is for whatever reason, I, maybe it's when I grew up, maybe it's back in the day. I mean, that takes us right into the eighties sound. There's a band called 38 special, right? Yep. They put out wild eyed Southern boys in, in 1980. It's right at the end of that cusp of those peak years, but it is, is almost like there was a handoff, right? That where they had just handed the reins to Donnie Van Zant. Uh, related to the guys in Skinner for the, for the 80s. I mean, 38 Special put out albums in 82, 84, 88. They had a compilation album in 87. I mean, it was almost like they were the heartbeat of, of, of Southern rock through the 80s, through that arena rock sound. There's others we, I'll let the other guys mention if they want to. But um, it, it led right up until 1990, and then we can, we can go from there at a later point. But, I mean... It, to emphasize the Skinnerd impact, even with plane crashes and everything else, for there to be a Skinnerd offshoot, which is basically what 38 Special is, which probably is my favorite, if I'm being honest, um, going through. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing what they've done. And, and honestly, they've still lived and, and they're putting out borderline country albums at this point. <laughs> so, so. Yeah. I mean, look, I agree with you because as important as Dwayne and Greg Allman are for obvious reasons, it's really the Van Zant family that is the heartbeat and the first family, so to speak, of Southern rock. Because anytime you have a Van Zant involved in something, it's going to have some, if it isn't straight up Southern rock, it's going to be heavily influenced by Southern rock. And you like illustrated that perfectly with like, kind of like the handoff from, you know, Skinner kind of in its actual incarnation, moving on into 38 special in the eighties. Yeah. I mean, 
I'll, I will say this in a little bit, uh, and you may not be exactly saying this, so it might not be in disagreements, but love 38 special as a band. I don't think that they're Southern rock. I think they were eighties arena rock. Because if you you can you imagine Ronnie Van Zant and the uh, rest of Leonard Skinner playing "Hold On Loosely" or "Caught Up in You," like, and, and that's not so they're not a great band. And and Wild Eyed Southern Boys was kind of borderline like that album, and and that music was borderline like Southern rock. I think they though, and I don't blame them for this, but they kind of got caught up in the '80s arena <laughs> rock, and they started selling out. And they probably know telling the millions they made, yeah, you know, selling out arenas and doing that. So I, God bless them. I'm fine with it. I just, I, I, I don't completely put them in that category, even if they are influenced heavily by it. Yeah, I've always kind of thought of 38 Special as having like a foot in the camp and not being full on Southern rock because the influence is obviously there. But you know, another 38 Special song was a Second Chance or Second Chances. Yep. Like that's it's one of my favorites. It's, it's a great song, <laughs> but there's nothing Southern rock about it. It's a, no, it's not just at all. a typical like kind of like 1980s sounding rock song. Yeah, and we can have an 80s music segment one day, and we'll talk about them and a lot of other great bands because I'm not exclusively Southern rock. Yeah, or no. I won't listen to it. <laughs> But however, like I just, you know, I, I make that point because we a big discussion this week is like, what is, what isn't, where you draw yep. the line. Yeah. And I think those guys are great. And I think that they did help carry the sound, but they weren't, you know, what the seventies were. Of course, what has been like the seven, that, that peak, those peak years will never exist again. No. Yeah. There, there's really only like one band that is still making music that I think has it like, that when it comes to quality and carrying on the lineage of actual Southern rock and is actually has a, a solid following. And I think that's whiskey Myers, whiskey Myers, you know, definitely has some, some tracks where they lean a little bit more country for obvious reasons, because, you know, they're in Texas and Southern rock really it and a, rock music in general is not a viable mainstream option anymore, but I, there is a direct line, I think in sound and quality from like from Skinner to whiskey Myers. Yeah. I I'm actually, I've been a big fan of theirs for, a while i love yeah. those guys and uh i think they're very good storytellers as well mm-hmm. i think part of what makes their music i mean they're hard charging and rock yeah on a lot of their music yeah i mean for all- instance they on their most recent record they have an, a song called bitch so they're definitely <laughs> hard charging <laughs> yeah that's that's my nice way of putting it but yeah, Black, uh Black Crows is definitely a band up there as well who's the black crows oh yeah their album "Shake Your Money Maker." Mm-hmm. I know I mentioned it a few times before <laughs> this, but you know, you talk about uh, kind of jumping back into Southern rock after their peak years ended. They definitely, um, being from Georgia as well, I think Marietta, Georgia. Yeah, if I looked yeah. it up right, um, that album, if anything itself, has some good Southern rock sound to it. Yeah, they were kind of like a revivalist style band in the '90s that did do a good job of of kind of like carrying the torch for a little while. But I mean, so, honestly, no, no one's going to be like those bands. The, yeah, know, the founding fathers from the '70s. So with uh, with Thirty Eight Special, I feel like they uh, they kind of like maybe tarnished the image a little bit in the '80s. I found it hysterical. You guys said that they're in both camps because, of course, that would be my favorite band because I'm clearly in both camps. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't born in the South. Yeah, so depending like, on your way of looking at it. Spoiler but, alert! Spoiler alert! The title of this episode is going to be Three Rednecks and a Carpetbagger." <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, the Almond Brothers had to basically come back, right? It was almost like they were like, hey, like we, we can't like let it end like this. Almond Brothers came back in 89, Morgan, to your point, Black Crows in 90. Um, I, it's interesting going beyond that. You were talking about Whiskey Myers. I mean, I, I know Blackberry Smoke came up, but yeah. I, I think, I think dry, we mentioned them, but I think Drive-By Truckers is in there. If we're talking yeah. about storytelling, if we're talking about dealing with your heritage and like the full uh, – complexity of it um uh, southern rock opera the album came out in 01 and then they added jason isbell in 03 yeah. i mean with decoration day and then jason isbell literally wrote an album called southeastern yeah <laughs> it's like so i just uh, the storytelling there and just the, the it, it's not uh, jason isbell himself is not rock music i would agree so we're, we're flirting around the edges there i think we're just still trying to shoehorn something into that 70s sound or that yeah years which again is, is kind of what I said at the beginning, right? It's, it's, it's just, a, it's a, it's a, I associate these songs as a, as a moment in time from like a, a slower pace of life where things seemed a little less complicated, you know, and you're, yeah. you're kind of just always looking for that next hit almost, if that makes any sense. I don't know if that's appropriate, but uh, you're, you're, you're looking for that next hit, that next, that almost like a, a return to your childhood or something like that, you know, whether it's, whether it's with the music or racing or anything yeah. else we talk about on here. And that that Isabel album, Southeastern, is a fantastic record. I think he's one of the three best living songwriters on the planet right now. But sonic uh, differences aside, the one thing I, I will say that I think would keep um, Isabel from even being quasi Southern Rock in my mind is he's a he can be a pretentious asshole sometimes, and it comes through in his music. And like I said, the one key thing about Southern Rock is it's a non pretentious style of music with a southern lens and that's just not in Isabel's dna because he can be a bit pretentious yeah i i do think that with the bands who like truly like built the genre and still live on to this day is the mount rushmore like that's one of the keys as i got to thinking about it this week is like they basically told the story of like working class men and women and they didn't like put them down they didn't like try to overcomplicate it I mean, we all know what the, what the history is, but it's like, that do also doesn't mean that these are bad folks and these are bad stories. And um, sometimes I think people uh, will overcomplicate it. And especially today, they try to like tell, you know, try to like tell the story from a di very different angle. And I think, do yeah. think that that pushes it away from what the core of that, yeah height of southern rock was because the, it, what it comes down to is like they only tell the bad side and they only talk about how bad certain things still are as opposed to talking also about like if they did that but then also had songs where they talk about the good things about the south and the, like i would have less of an issue with it but in reality they're playing they i think they actually you know are doing it because they want to be patted on the head by the blue check marks on twitter I don't, I like, but as long as they would have more of a balanced approach, I, I would be less inclined to, you know, call them pretentious, but they only talk about the bad when, and yes, there is a lot of bad that we can't ignore, but there's also a lot of great things about Southern history and, and just the South in general. It has a unique charm that not many places in the United States have. It, that's a really valid point that I hadn't thought about until just now when you guys brought it up. It, it does. I didn't. I haven't thought this through, but it does seem like there's been a somewhat generic, you can't put everybody into this category split between the songwriters who've kind of gone down the Americana path of like, let's, let's, um, let's uh, 
point out the the bad things. And then like the country music, which has almost gone too far into like, these are all the wonderful things about the South and it's almost become a caricature. Right. Right. And there isn't anyone really in the, in the middle uh, with, with few exceptions that are kind of painting both sides of the, of, of the picture without pretension for people that are just normal every day going about their life, you know? Yeah. I agree with that. But all right. Well, I mean, uh, I guess to wrap things up, if anybody, if you kind of want to go around and uh, like, you know, talk about, I know Morgan kind of said this a little bit, but like any type of like definitive memories that kind of Southern rock brings out. Morgan. Uh, just for me, it's Saturday. It's going to the races, uh, road trips to the, to the beach with the family. I can piggyback off that. I mean, growing up, we had a, uh, yard work it's for me it's 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 listening to it on the weekends right that's that's what it reminds me of even all the way up to college and now it's uh we we had options on the weekend right yard work helping dad with a mechanical project in the garage i couldn't ever find anything because it was never organized correctly we had church and then we had more yard work right so whether there's a race on the radio or college football on the radio or something that's 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 honestly what i remember it as yeah i mean For me, obviously, you know, the first concert, Charlie Daniels, also just as a kid, loved his music. Um, You know, when you go to play it, his Simple Man, um, I love. Uh, His uh, long-haired country boy, What This World Needs is a Few More Rednecks. Like, all these songs, like, I still to this day love to put them on. They're great. And um, I'd say out of all the bands we've talked about Skinner had also played a big role. I remember, especially in high school, we would play a decent amount of um, like Curtis Lowe and simple man and Tuesday's gone and like all those songs. And I remember buying like uh, a couple of Skinner CDs one of them being the live, one of their live shows from the seventies before the plane crash happened. And just, I don't, it, I associate it with that moment in my life more than anything. And uh, you know, it, once again, once I got to looking back and just seeing like, you know, people think Sweet Home Alabama and Free Bird, but there's, you know, there's a whole lot more. And and, the, and I could spend a whole nother issue talking about all the songs that get played that sh- shouldn't get played by artists on like radio or on, not even radio, but just people choosing it and putting it on playlists as opposed to the songs that are better. But uh, we can say that for another day. And you know that I could love to talk about that because I have a whole separate podcast just to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think that wraps up a good uh, discussion about you know Southern rock, its its influence, and just how awesome and kick ass it is. But um, but yeah, so um, I think we're running out of time this week, so we will uh, catch up with you next week. But for Morgan, Dustin, Ryan, I'm Logan. Be sure to subscribe and share the hell out of it with everybody. See Five you next stars. Time. <laughs> See you next time. Thanks, guys.